Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at So as we continue working out just all the kinks of technology and the best way to utilize it, uh, we'll continue to kind of update it um, as the weeks go on. Um, but one thing I want to do for us today is uh, here at the district, one of the things we value is, is not only reading God's Word, but studying it and preaching God's Word um, for the building up of the church, the body of Christ. So if you've not been with us up until this point, our church has been in a series in the book of Ecclesiastes. And so if you have your Bible, I want you to go ahead and grab your Bible and open it up to chapter 5. Chapter 5 is where we're going to be today. Uh, we've walked through the first four chapters so far, um, and as you're opening up your Bibles, I'm just going to kind of lay out for you uh, real quickly just the, the recap of where we've been. Um, this is also a great time, side note, um, for kids that are around the room, if you've had the ability to download uh, and print out the uh, sermon note guide, this is a great opportunity for kids in the room to be able to try to follow along or just color on it the best that they can, uh, whatever they want to do to be able to doodle. Um, but that's a, a resource for you. You can find it in the email and download it and, and print it out if you still have printers. I don't even know if people have printers anymore. Um, but anyways, as you were getting to chapter 5, uh, one thing that we're seeing through the book of Ecclesiastes is King Solomon has really set out on just this experiment uh, he is applying all of his resources, all of his wealth, to looking at every domain of life, every uh, sphere, every society, uh, all aspects of it. And he's trying to determine whether or not it's worth it, uh, whether or not there's, there's anything there that is meaningful. And he's, again, with his wisdom as kind of the filter in looking at everything, he's applying all of his wealth, all of his resources to studying the arts, the sciences. He's, he's committing himself to every pleasure that is out there. He's committing himself over to uh, building houses and, and planting forests and digging uh, lakes in order to feed those forests. I mean, he's doing everything he can to try to figure out in every area of life is it meaningful? Is there any purpose behind it? And one of the things that we see kind of in the first couple of chapters is as, as he's kind of gone out and applied every single bit of his resources, and not only just spending his resources, but also acquiring a great amount of resources, he's coming to this conclusion that like there's, there's no party big enough that will satisfy his pleasures. There's no amount of uh, housing developments that are going to ultimately satisfy what he's after. There's, there's no amount of acquiring wealth and acquiring wives and concubines. I mean, there's, there's nothing out there that will actually satisfy what he's truly longing for. And so he kind of concludes, man, all of life is just pointless. Like, it's, it's all meaningless. Like, he, he literally gets to the end of it, and he's saying, it's just not doing it for me. Like, I built the houses, and, and what, am I going to build another house? I mean, we look at Solomon's temple. It took seven years to build Solomon's temple, but it took him 14 years to build his own house. I mean, 14 years, like there's, was it 15, you know, the next house that he builds, 15 years, is that going to be what ultimately satisfies him? 
We talk about women. I mean, he had over 300 wives and, and concubines. And, and so, like, is that going to be what ultimately satisfies him? And it wasn't. I mean, we're talking parties that he ran for decades where he could feed up to fifteen to 20,000 people per day in these parties that he was throwing. And essentially, he came to the end of it and said, I mean, it's just all meaningless. It was just all pointless. And so it was a real chipper first few weeks when we were walking through Ecclesiastes where we were basically looking at everything and just saying, like, is there a point to even get up? And, and now we're stuck in our homes to where we're, we're now trying to figure out, like, what's the point of even getting up and doing anything at this point? And then we start to see kind of a shift in Solomon's understanding as he now starts to view everything through the wisdom that God has given to him. And what we ultimately see is him coming to a conclusion that what God has provided us in everything that we do, in, in joy, in pleasure, in work, in toil, in relationships, what he's ultimately landing at is enjoy what God has given you. God's the one who establishes where you live, what time period you live in, what your unique giftings are, and how that's ultimately going to be played out in your life. And the call of Solomon to all of us is this. Whether God sends the rain or the sun, whether he brings you on the mountaintop or through the valley, whether it's a time to mourn or a time to dance, whether it's a time to laugh or a time to cry, whether it's a time for pleasure or a time for pain, whether it's a time to uh, socially interact with one another or it's a time to socially distance yourselves, God has purposed it in order for us to know him, intimately know him and enjoy him and worship Him for the rest of our few days on this earth. That's the main point of the first four chapters. And so as we kind of shift to chapter 5, it starts off with really a, a command for us to assess our lives, to look at our lives and figure out how we are going to navigate day to day what we do with our lives in order to um, abide by this command and this purpose that God has laid out for us. And so as you have your Bibles open to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 1. And we are actually only going to look at verse 1 today. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 1 starts with, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Two things I see in this first verse that are very important for us in this season, and I'm going to call it a season because we don't know how long we are going to be here. Um, I mean, winter still can't decide if it's done yet or not. Um, just like the bird's famous song to everything, turn, 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 there's a season, turn, 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 and a time for every purpose under heaven. So we are in a season of coronavirus where we are in self-quarantine or self-social uh, distancing, self-isolation. I mean, literally, we're risking our lives in, in a way and, and those others by just being here with myself and Jordan and Josh. We actually prayed before the service, but we made sure that we were six feet apart um, from one another, trying to distance ourselves here. But we're in this season, and we don't know how long we're going to be in this season. And what Solomon is commanding us and telling us to do during this time is that God's got a purpose for it. 
He's got a purpose for how we are to react and how we are to uh, steward this season that we're in. And the purpose is right here in verse 1. Two things that we see in this purpose. First, guard your steps. Guard your steps. And that might be easy for us because we really can't step out too far right now. Um, We're kind of stuck in our homes. We're at home all the time. You are at home all the time, or should be. But when we think about steps, one thing that we can draw from this idea is that steps determine where you're going. They're literally pointing you in the direction of where you are going with your life, how you're living it, how you're spending it, how you're enjoying it, how you're magnifying Christ in your life, how you're sinning in your life, all of the above. Your steps matter because they show you where you are going. And Solomon's plea for us is to guard them, to to assess how you are living your life, how you are directing your life, how you are walking your life, how you are living your life. He wants us to to kind of sit back and guard them because where they go determines where we end up and where we ultimately invest and abide our life. And so he wants us to guard them. Now, how do we guard them? Solomon's going to tell us. And it's one word, listen. So it's not a, here's some specific things that you can do in order to make sure that you guard your steps, but rather it, it's, a, it's a passive thing that he actually asks, asks us to do. It's to listen to God in order to guard our steps. And here's why I believe God, in his sovereignty, is using this evil virus for his ultimate good. I believe he's stopping our steps. Literally, just locking us down to our homes and is telling us to guard them by fasting from every aspect of our normal rhythms of life so that we can listen and hear from Him. And so, because His command to us is to listen, which starts with an L, I wanted to give you six L's. Um, And so, you know, you're probably laughing right now. I'm not normally this type of pastor who gives you like, alliteration, but I want to give you six L's to think about as we just listen during this season. Um, and, and I want you to write these down or, or whatever you have in front of you. I want you to make sure you remember this as we think through this season. And the first three L's are going to kind of be internal, and then the last three L's are going to be external. But the first L that we can do in this season is, is we should lament. We should lament. This season, this virus, the loss of jobs, the fact that we can't gather together physically as a church, the fear of getting sick, the fear and anxiety of how this is going to affect you financially. We should guard our steps and listen to God first by lamenting this season. God, this is difficult. This is difficult. I don't like it. I'm an extroverted person. I don't like to work from home. I like to work out in coffee shops. I like to be around people. Like I like that social interaction. And this is difficult for me. And I've even been hearing uh, my wife is, is very much an introvert and she's struggling because she wants to be around people right now. And, and, and I think all of us are feeling this type of difficulty regardless of how we're wired or how we're made up. We're feeling that this season is stressful, frustrating, 
and creating angst and anxiety. And I think what God's inviting us to do is lament in this season, to be able to come to him and just say, God, this is difficult, but I trust you. I trust you. The second thing is I want us to look at our longing. I want us to assess our longing. Acknowledge the longing that is in your hearts. What are you longing for in this season? What does this season reveal about your desires? Is what we are longing for good and Christ-honoring and God-glorifying? Is what we are longing for, does it stir our affections for Jesus? Or does it rob us of our affections for Jesus? I just want us to take kind of an internal assessment about our affections and desires. Is what we feel we're missing out on and longing for, is it something that actually pushes us to Christ or does it push us away from Christ? Because this season is going to bring our desires to the surface where we might not have been acknowledging them before. And the third thing I want us to look at is liturgy. You hear us use this word liturgy for our Sunday gatherings, and it's a fancy term for rule of life, or as we kind of use for our Sundays, an order of our gathering, an order of service. What is the liturgy of our lives as individuals? What's the rule of your life? What are the daily rhythms, and how might this season disrupt those rhythms so that you can guard and listen and establish healthier rhythms that actually lead you to joy rather than rob you of it. So how can we assess? Again, here's how we used to do life, and it wasn't necessarily leading. Well, God has literally given us a pause so that we can assess our lives and our rhythms and the way we are spending our time throughout our days. And now we can begin to kind of repent from that and and reorder our lives, create a new rule of life so that it's leading us to joy in Him, that it's stirring up our affections for Him. So those are three things that we can do that are kind of individual, that are kind of within, that are, that are looking at our heart, looking at our emotions, looking at our feelings, looking at our thoughts. We can lament. We can l- see what our longings are. And at the same time, we can look at our rule of life and see how we're spending it. The next three things are external and the fourth one is love all acts of love right now are amplified all of them whether you give someone some clorox wipes or you drop off some cinnamon rolls on someone's front porch or you text someone a word of encouragement or you tell someone that you are praying for them all of these things are amplified right now because of our social distancing And so I want to encourage you that one of the ways in which we can listen and draw near to God and guard our steps is not just focusing on the social distancing part, but also saying that social distancing does not excuse us from being Christian in which we can socially still engage one another. And so we need to be real creative and real innovative in this season to be able to figure out how we can love one another and how we can press into that. Which brings me to the fifth one. Lean. Lean on others. We're going to need one another to get through this. Social distancing, like I said, does not mean social disengagement. So get creative. Lean into one another for play. Lean into one another for needs. Lean into one another for prayer, for conversation, for Bible study, 
for whatever it is that stirs your affections for Jesus, lean into that in this season. And the last one is lead. In this season, let us, as believers in Christ, lead the way in showing hospitality. I don't know how many articles I've seen this week talking about the spread of Christianity among plagues, diseases, disasters, terror attacks, and on and on I could go. And it's because Christians don't run from adversity, but rather we run to the front lines of it because that's where people need the most hope. That's where people see the evil that is within our world and they're looking for an answer. They're looking for a savior from that evil. And right now, all around us, everybody is in a frenzy. Everybody is stressed to a certain level. And believers in Christ, we should be the ones who are literally modeling what it looks like to be at peace and be content in a season that has so much uncertainty to it. There should be a steadiness to us in which we are able to run to the front lines and we're able to run to the front lines cautiously and carefully, knowing that we're not going to put others at risk, but doing it in a way to live as Christ and to die as gain. Doing it in a way in which we can lead out when it comes to showing those around us where our hope is placed in. So we're able to freely give of our resources to other people because we have Christ. And that's all we need. We're able to provide for others. And because our Savior is the author of hope, He's literally the embodiment of hope. He created it and He extends it as a gift in the form of grace and mercy. And for that reason, we are to lead the way. We aren't to be hoarders in this season. We are to be heralds of both good news and toilet paper and Clorox wipes if needed be. We aren't to be selfish, but we are to be selfless with what God has given us. So what a time to be alive. What a time to carpe diem, seize the day. That's why I love what Paul says in Philippians 4, 10 through 13. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. What I see in that is there's been seasons where we have a lot and we have full freedom and we have full access to engage in relationship and to um, have anything and everything that we want and need. And then there's seasons where we have to socially distance ourselves, where we might be worried because we're running out of toilet paper or don't have rice or don't have whatever it is that we can go get at the store. And what Paul is saying here is, man, he's not worried. He's not looking at his situation concerned because he has Christ. And he knows that with Christ, he can be content in any season that comes. 
And this is exactly the call for us today. Guard your steps. Guard your life by listening to the truth that is coming from God that he's got you. That he's got you right now, that he's not surprised by any of this, and that he's holding you in his hands and that he's taking care of you. And as I have said multiple times over the last several weeks, one of the best things we can do right now is just look out the window and look at the birds of the air. As he says in Matthew 6, how much more does God love you than he does these birds that he is still taking care of in his sovereignty? He's going to do the same thing for us during this season. So you can survive this season of coronavirus, social distancing, and all that comes with it through Christ who strengthens you. That's hope. That's Jesus. And in him alone, we can rest and find joy during this crazy time. And so we are to lament this season. Think about what we're longing for. Assess the liturgy of our life. Love those who are around us or who are distant from us. Love those. Lean into the relationships that you have and the relationships that you don't. Lean into one another. Get real creative with that. And lead the way. Look for the opportunities that we can spread the gospel. Not the virus. Spread the gospel to those around us. Let's pray together and then I'll close with a few updates. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity as a church to come together to sing your gospel, to pray your gospel, and to preach your gospel. Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at